Welcome to Solutions OP Clinical Trials Podcast. My name is Olga and I'm the Managing Director of Solutions OP. We are a small team of experienced professionals working on clinical trials in the United Kingdom. I'll use our podcast to discuss hot topics in clinical trials and provide analysis of the latest trends and challenges in pharma and medical device industries, not just in the UK, but globally. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the latest uh, episode, and uh, I think this will be our final episode for 2023, uh, when I'll be talking about what are the biggest challenges uh, for small pharma companies and biotech companies in 2023. Uh, And as you can all imagine, uh, the first biggest challenge is the um, access to to funding and uh, Many companies are struggling because of the venture capital uh, is generally down. And um, uh, this is the, the biggest struggle at the moment, ine- inevitably. Uh, however, there are other aspects uh, that companies are struggling with. And I would like to focus more on them rather than uh, purely uh, funding. Um, and the reason is because um, all other challenges that they have are more or less uh, related to, to their financial situation. And if companies can um, improve uh, in some areas, you know, this could actually help them and free some cash for them so that they can have, uh, you know, uh, more funding to run clinical trials. So let's start with the uh, very first one is resources. Um, for for big corporations, that's that's not a problem. <laughs> they have access to lots of resources in different countries, people who can create their regulatory strategies and, and everything else. But that's not the case for small companies. So for small companies and startups, you know, people have to find the right resources and the right consultants. And that I mean, it sounds easy, but it's not so easy because there are a lot of people out there, a lot of consultants you can hire. Some of them charge big fees, some of them charge less. Uh, you know, some of them have very high profile, others, you know, not that high profile. And yet the the main question is, are these people really suitable for your business and, and what you're trying to do? And um, this is something I wanted to, to talk about. Uh, so, for example, uh, you have different consultants. Some of them come from big corporations. They have the corporate background. I like to call them corporate consultants. So these are people who have worked most of their career in big corporations. And, uh, you know, they, they know everything uh, about the business and, and so on. But the biggest issue there is uh, if you're a small company and you go to such a consultant, very often their experience is uh, based on the big corporations. So they know the most expensive vendors. They know the things, but they might do them a bit more complicated in a more corporate and bureaucratic way, simply because this is what they're used to and this is what their experience is. So... Sometimes they think this is the only way, you know, if you want to do it right, you have to do it the same way the big corporations work. Now, this is a challenge, uh, especially if you're a startup or a small company, because 
you don't have the resources to hire the most expensive vendors. You don't have the resources to create billions of SOPs and and other procedures. So uh, this could add significant cost to your company if you have a consultant who has experience uh, um, with uh, big corporations predominantly. Um, on the other hand, you have uh, what I would call a startup consultants. So these are people who work predominantly with startups and small companies. And they have, uh, again, uh, the same probably level of, of knowledge, but they have different experience because they have uh, access to alternative vendors and alternative practices. You know, they, they can give you an advice how to do things in a more cost-efficient way, if you want to say it that way. So I think it's very important when you're thinking about resources and um, who is the best fit for your company, uh, not just look at their CV, uh, but really think, would these people be able to contribute to your company and what kind of um, um, fit they will be for, for your budget? Uh, are they going to be too expensive for you? Maybe something that you cannot afford. And if the advices they give you are really suitable for your business as well, because this is also something very important. Uh, quite contrary to, to what many people think, they say, well, it's very strictly regulated. You can do things in only one way. But those, that's not quite the case. There are different options of, of managing clinical trials and... You can do it in a more bureaucratic and expensive way or you can be a little bit more lean and you can be a little bit more straightforward on how you manage the things. So even though you might think there's only one way, there are many different ways and it really depends on what you're trying to achieve and how you, you plan to, to work. And of course, what is your budget? That's the important part. Uh, so uh, the other thing I was uh, going to talk about is the vendors. So uh, I've seen that very often uh, from small companies. They have the money from uh, VC and they go for loads of vendors. So I remember having one study where we had 20 different vendors. <laughs> it was quite crazy. Uh, and thinking about a startup company with so many vendors, as you can imagine, this really cost a lot of money to the company. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I think here is uh, also important, not just what kind of consultants you're using, but um, to apply a little bit of common sense, uh, what kind of vendors you really need. Think about the vendors. Look into that vendor list. So many companies, especially big companies, um, have these preferred vendor list and so on. Uh, and that kind of limits them to working with specific companies. Um, this, on the other the hand, would uh, uh, cost them a lot more because if they're working only with these preferred vendors, these preferred vendors may start charging them a lot more money because they know that everything goes through them. So <laughs> uh, th th this is a tricky part. Uh, the other part is, uh, uh, you know, so sometimes uh, um, you, you don't really need all these vendors. You need to sit and think about 
how your study is designed. Do you really need all these different vendors doing different things for you? Is it something that you can um, align more with the standard of care and try to fit it into the standard of care model rather than hiring more vendors and doing more things externally? Um, another thing that people need to think about when they're um, selecting their vendors is uh, the potential hidden fees. Um, you, you start with something and then you need something else and then all, all of a sudden it, it all builds up and end up to be a, a very um, a significant amount of money at the end of the day. So these are fees and things that you need to think about and, and try to be very clear and specific to your vendors exactly what you expect them to do uh, so that you can have a, as good as possible quote uh, from them. Um, there is another another issue which is uh, with the uh, the low quality vendors uh, I like to call it. So basically, you have company. Let's say you work in USA and you have a vendor and they're great, they're perfect, and you want to set up your your study in in Italy. Let's say for example, and you say, well, I'm going to use the same vendor because they have office in Italy. But when you contact the hospitals in Italy, it turns out that this vendor is a horrible and they have really bad experience with it. So this is another thing that you need to think about. And, and many companies don't realize that, yeah, it's it's great in your area, but it doesn't mean it's great everywhere. So you might need to think about even if it's, uh, you know, uh, inconvenience for you to find another vendor you might need to find someone who can do a good job rather than just going for the same vendor in a different area, region where you know they're not doing great and there are lots of complaints about them and i've seen that particularly a lot with courier companies uh, when we have to send pk samples and and things like that um the other thing that we need to 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 think about is uh, just because something is very expensive, it doesn't mean it's the best quality. And uh, very often, uh, you know, companies have fell for that. They say, oh, it's very expensive. So these guys have a good branding, good name. So let's go for them. Uh, you know, if they're so expensive, they should be doing great job. <laughs> but uh, that, unfortunately, is, is not necessarily the case. Uh, so that's something uh, else that you need to take into consideration when you're selecting your vendors. And as I said, the most important question even if I say that at the very last, is do you actually need a vendor? Is it something that you can manage yourself? Is it something that you can do as a standard of care and the hospitals can do that for you rather than going for another contract and another vendor? Um, so the other um, very important poor, uh, point I wanted to mention is the cost of running clinical trials. And... <laughs> this is the biggest thing, I think. And when I say cost, I don't mean just hiring consultants and vendors, but I'm talking about the the fees that you have to pay to the hospitals uh, to, to conduct the clinical trial there. And these fees are growing <laughs> up all the time with the uh, over the years. Uh, we just see these fees going up and up all the time. Uh, I mean, if you have a very complex study, um, you can understand it to have such high fees. 
But if you have something like observational study where people have to complete questionnaires, you know, all these charges are, are, are quite uh, sometimes unreasonable, I have to say. Um, and uh, I can speak particularly for Europe, uh, but basically the hospitals have um, nearly 100% um, overhead charges uh, uh, that they add to the, the fees which are paid to the clinical trial team. So the the question here is, for example, if you have observational study and then you pay to the clinical trial team to do that, uh, but then you pay 100% overhead to the hospital. Now, if you have questionnaires, I always joke, can I just invite the patients to, to a, the nearby cafe and do them there and not pay the hospital fees? Yeah, it, it, I know it sounds funny that, yeah, well, if you think about maybe we can do it. <laughs> but uh, um, the reality is, um, I think the overheads that the hospitals charge, uh, they really need to be aligned to um, the actual work involved in the clinical trial and not just have a standard overhead of 100% to no matter what kind of study you do. It doesn't matter if it's observational and low interventional or you do some super complex oncology study. So this is something that I wish it will change. Uh, but at this point, there's no change in that field. So um, what can we do uh, if we are small or startup company uh to you know optimize our our costs and and make sure we don't pay uh, uh for things that we don't necessarily need uh so what we can do is uh, the first thing is make sure you hire the the right consultants so not just the right consultant who has the right knowledge but the right consultant who can actually fit into your, your company and what you do and could really provide you support. So th this is the, the main thing. Um, again, as I said before, when you're looking for vendors, think about it. Can you use it? Uh, can you manage it yourself? Can you use the standard of care, whatever the hospitals do, and align into the standard of care? One thing that you should remember is once your drug or medical device gets approved on the market, you know, people will use it in a standard of care setting. So they won't be using billions of vendors. So unless it's some regulatory requirement, which I can understand, then having to use a vendor, um, try to align it as much as possible to the standard of care and what the hospitals do. Because I think this is the, the most important part to to have uh, a product which could be used in the standard of care settings and doesn't require any, you know, special uh, additional treatment, which could actually uh, increase the cost for the hospitals uh, when you start negotiating uh, for uh, reimbursement. The other thing is, as I said, um, once you, um, you have uh, a decision about the vendor, um, and you decide to pick a vendor, uh, make sure you speak to the actual people at the vendor doing the job and make sure they actually uh, are experienced and know what they're doing. And, um, you know, very often the, the conversation is on a top level. Uh, you talk to some senior managers who give you some, you know, 
basic overview and information and so on. But I think it's very important to, to know people who do the actual job and to to have a bit of an idea who these people are and if they can actually do that work for you. Uh, and uh, I know it's not popular. <laughs> it's uh, much easier to speak, some, speak to someone in the serious uh, management. Uh, but I think it's very important to, to have the right people working on your study. Um, and uh, even in, in the field where we work with the setup and stuff, you know, as soon as I hear someone just saying me, oh, submitting something to the competent authority is easy. You just fill in an application and you submit and that's it. So that kind of <laughs> explanation, you know, it, it's it's straight away a, a red flag that, the person who is telling you this has no experience or has very, very limited experience in in doing that kind of uh, work. Um, so I think it's important that you have the right people uh, who can support you. And um, the reality is I've seen throughout the years, um, even studies fail because the companies have selected the wrong vendors, uh, being CROs or, or other parties to to manage their study and uh, and do the work for them. So even if it sounds something very trivial, just selecting a vendor, uh, I think um, you you have to take this seriously and think about it because it could break your, your study, basically. If you have the wrong people doing the, the work for you, uh, it could cost you a lot of money. So that's uh, 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 the thing about the vendors. And the last thing, I, as I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, is about design of your protocol. Um, it, it's very important when you design your protocol to be aware of what is the standard of care. And this standard of care uh, could be different in the different regions. I can understand this one. But I think it's really worth exploring what is the standard of care and um, align uh, your protocol, provide windows to allow for the visits, to align it as much as possible uh, with standard of care. The reason for this is um, because this could reduce the overall budgeting cost for your clinical trial if some procedures could be done as a standard of care. So that's not always applicable. In some countries, they might ask you to pay for it. It doesn't matter if it's standard of care or not. Uh, but in, in many countries in, in Western Europe, I think um, if it's uh, uh, in line with the standard of care, which they normally do to these patients, um, uh, this could affect the cost. Uh, so you can pay a little bit less uh, in terms of fees to, to the hospitals. So this is uh, something else that, you know, people have to take into consideration. Uh, and what I can say in conclusion is uh, I'm, I'm quite familiar that setting up a clinical trial is a very complex thing and um, requires a lot of resources and knowledge and finding the right vendors is, is not an easy thing at all. Uh, but... Uh, I think uh, there are a lot of uh, the small companies and startups can do uh, to help themselves uh, to run the clinical trials in a more cost-effective way. And that will, as I said, will free them more cash to, to do more work. 
uh, and uh, in the current um, situation in terms of uh, investment and uh, access to to funding, um, I think it's very important to to have a proper planning and think through things and uh, really uh, uh, try to decide and make a good decision on how you're going to invest the funds that you have. Because, uh, as I said, unlike the big corporations that have the money, in small companies have limited resources and, and funds. So this is something that you really need to, to try and optimize uh, to, to make the best of it. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, I hope to have more interesting topics in the next year. Thank you.